back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where we are almost wrapping up our last theme about Christmas, celebrating <laughs> Hollywood's famous Chris's. My pick this week is something very special to me, but before we get into that, I'd like to know, how's everybody doing and or have you seen anything interesting, anything new uh, this past week? I finished Watchmen. Oh, how was it? Um, probably one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Really? Um, HBO is really, with Chernobyl and Watchmen, like really killing it this year. Succession, from what I hear, is also really great. Uh, so it's great to see that in a post-Game of Thrones world, HBO is still doing some pretty out there and like risky stuff. I mean, they've always, they've true. pretty much always provided good content. That's true. Who knew in the, in the death of Game of Thrones, we'd actually get good stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I will say though that I'm kind of falling off of his dark materials. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping for like a, uh, what's it called? La- last final. Last stand. No, when things get better at, Towards the end, I don't know. There's some crescendo. Looking for the crescendo. The point, yeah, I'm ready to kind of start the Watchmen and close the book on mm. his dark mm. materials. I'll be definitely interested to hear your thoughts as somebody who didn't read the comic, kind of how they because the show is a direct sequel to the comic, but I think it stands pretty independent. Mm. Um, I watched uh, in another attempt to continue to watch more 2019 movies. Saw a Marriage Story. Um, thought it was really uh, wonderful. The um, discourse on Twitter about Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver being like, "This is what acting class is like." The that one particular scene where they're just like oh, yelling when at they're each fighting other in a crying. room. Yeah, I mean, like this is every acting class ever. I think that there were definitely moments where I was like, "Okay, these are characters," or these were these are actors playing characters fighting. Um, like it didn't. Sometimes it. I wasn't taken. Yeah, sometimes I was taken out of uh, out of that moment. But um, there's some really really nice scenes, um, and it was a, it was a it was a good watch. Uh, am I looking out? It's funny because like it's like within that movie, it's Adam Driver versus Scarlett Johansson. But like in the larger world right now, it's like Noah Baumbach versus Greta Gerwig. Whose movie's gonna win all the Oscars? Because she's, <laughs> like, their partners and she's coming out with Little Women, which I'm so excited for. Oh, it. yeah. So. Chris Cooper's in that, right? He is, yep. So that's a big <clears throat> movie to, to look out for. He's in, uh, he's new Mr. Rogers movie and Little Women. He plays Pa in Little Women. Oh, pa. Yeah, so. I, you know, I have to say, like, I'm really over Scarlett Johansson, which sucks because Black Widow's coming out and, and it looks pretty good, but goddamn, she has just really stepped in it this year. And and I would say even in years previous, but like, it seems like every week it was something new mm-hmm. where she was just being an ignorant asshole. And ooh, tell me more. What uh, what are what's she doing? I mean, so like in the past, besides she, being a mediocre that has to do with actress. her agent also, but yeah. I mean, sure it does, but. It has also something to do with, like, directly things that she said. Um, So, like, in... I think her first sin was when she played... I can't even remember what movie it was. Was it Ghost in a Shell? Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. 
And like they, she tried to pretend and they tried to pretend that like, hey, it's okay that you are playing an Asian character. Doctor blah, Strange blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, 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 which is why I have not watched that. Um, but then she was hired to play a, a trans character and it's like, mm-hmm. and it was with her agent, absolutely. Yeah, this, and so. I think it was with the same person who directed Ghost in a Shell as well. And it's like, what the fuck? Did you not learn? And then, so there was- but that a, movie, that was- that's and not it never com- it never happened. Okay, and then yeah. there was a, a lot of backlash from people being like, "This isn't okay." First of all, it was it wasn't okay a couple years ago, but it's especially not okay now. Um, and she came out and she apologized, but then she dug her heels in recently and was like, "Any actor should be able to play any part that they want," and it's like, "Dude, you are missing a bit." Like that's that's speaking from privilege. And, like, you just, you need to be present in the world a little bit more. And, um, like, there are people that are more oppressed than you. And but there are also just, yeah, other people that actually embody these roles. Like, that are actually right. coming from a place of life experience. And, I mean, like, she was in a round table of all these, like, really famous female actors. And you could see the faces on some of the other you. women rolling their eyes because mm. she was saying these things. And they were, <laughs> like, they were being professional, but you could tell. Youth. Yeah. Well. Mm. Yeah. Not. I will say that as far as within a marriage story, um, it might just be because... Yeah, I I think that um, Adam Driver's performance um, does kind of outshine Scarlett. <laughs> she does she does what she can, and the the movie primarily is written from Adam Driver Noah Baumbach's perspective. Oh, but um, there's some yeah soaring moments. But anyhow, I mean overall, he just seems like a better actor. Bingo. it's the yeah he. Mm. Yeah, I still want Connor to see this movie for a very particular scene. <laughs> I won't give it away, but I really think that you'll enjoy that. I scene. have not looked up the scene yet, so I've good. I'm glad. Don't myself. look it up. Um, I uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm on uh, just sort of like a, a depressive film binge right now. Uh, just sort of some weird, uh, yeah, I don't know, track I'm going down for some reason. Um, not the least of which was one that was recommended uh, by uh, Sam. Not. Our Sam, but Sam at work, um, who uh, suggested this film that they saw in a film class in college called uh, Come and See, which is a film about the Nazi occupation of uh, Bulgaria in the 1940s, uh, 41 through 44 specifically, um, and is uh, one of the most uh, haunting things I've ever seen, um, really. I-, I think I texted the group that if I've ever described the movie as an emotional sledgehammer, this is an atomic bomb. Yeah. Um, it's really, uh, it's spectacular. It's uh, a really uh, in-depth, uh, transformative meditation on the nature of war. Uh, and I, as I mentioned also, I'm not typically a fan of war movies, <clears throat> but this is one that approaches it with like a really unvarnished and um, unflinching representation um that can't really be misconstrued as like a kind of like a nationalist um propaganda or like a a, a sort of like valor fest um this is really just sort of like a, a deeply troubling look at um the horrors that uh that were inflicted at the time and in war in general um so i would not <laughs> it's a movie that i feel like everyone should see but i can't in good conscience recommend it to almost anyone because it is 
horrifyingly upsetting, um, but was really uh, really spectacular. So what that, year did it come out? It was 1985. Um, the film was originally uh, called Kill Hitler, um, but was squashed, interestingly enough, by the um, the Russian um, like propaganda and uh, media there, monitoring like, department. Russian censorship. Yeah, for big it time. For a big while, time. and then it was finally. It was like released. written in '77, and then released in '85. Mm. Um, yeah, stunning movie that is like cap- uh, cinematically captivating and truly like special and like very unique, but also um, yeah, uh, as you might imagine, horrifyingly upsetting. Damn. Have you ever read the book um, A Woman in Berlin? No. I'm wondering if they're similar. So This movie is based on a book, but not that book. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so A Woman in Berlin, I think like the subtitle is Eight Weeks in the Conquered City. And mm-hmm. it talks about like one woman, but like the female experience in, um, what was it? East? Yeah, East Berlin and how Eastern Germany and after the fall of the Reich. Yeah. Which the Red, like besieged by the Red Army. Yeah. Which, yeah, there are horrors it upon is. horrors to read about there. Every page you turn, you like vomit a little bit inside mm-hmm. because of how terrible it was. Yeah. Whew. I so was that's actually what just, just in Berlin a week, no, I guess at this point, two weeks ago, which is interesting. <clears throat> hmm. I, I hear things are much better. They are. <laughs> they're they are significantly um, significantly better. <laughs> I would say that's, that's good. I did also watch a bunch of movies on the plane. We don't have to, I don't know. I saw Aladdin. It was fine. Dark Phoenix, terrible. Uh, I actually I was talking to Christine a couple days ago about it, and then I forgot about the movies I watched on the plane. Dark Phoenix was so forgettable that forty eight hours I forgot I even watched it when I was talking <laughs> You're to you. You're kind of in the travel stupor. <laughs> Uh, and then I watched double feature of Yesterday, that Beatles movie by Danny Boyle, Ooh. and then Blinded by the Light, um, which was better. Which was sig- Blinded by the Light was significantly better. Yeah, I'll bet. Yesterday <laughs> was fine. It was perfectly pleasable. Um, but as someone who's a, hu- a big Bruce Springsteen fan, and even if you're not, don't know Bruce Springsteen's music, Blinded by the Light still connects as like a person and a kid who connects with an artist who changes their life. Mm-hmm. It's like. For me, it sounds like a personal journey versus capitalism, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, obviously, the okay, yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, and if you don't really, I feel like the more you love the Beatles, the more you'll probably like Yesterday. Because it's like, oh, he messed up that one line because he couldn't remember like it. it perfectly. She didn't like it. No, she's a big Beatles fan. Mm, interesting. Yeah. She said it was boring. Yeah, it's 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 also just like a how rehashed is that concept? We've I've seen that in sketch shows and all sorts of other things. I would love to see that movie. Uh, yesterday, for anybody who doesn't know, guy gets into an accident. There's like a global blackout, and he's one of and he's like apparently the only one who re- remembers the Beatles. They're just wiped from existence. Um, and I would love to see a movie where because he's a musician, where somebody like me that happens to <laughs> and who can't sing, mm-hmm. can't perform, who's trying to bring the I think that would be just more at any point it could have made an interesting choice it just did the kind of basic lame choice. Yeah. yeah. But Bond by the Light, two thumbs, highly recommend. Nice. That film was amazing. Well, great. Okay, thanks <laughs> thanks God for me I was gonna... putting you on <laughs> the spot twice. <laughs> Sorry. Um okay. So my choice for Christmas is <laughs> It is Cellular from 2004. Um, so this movie stars Chris Evans, Kim Basinger, Surprise. Jason Statham, and William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Listen. <laughs> Listen. 
Um, when, first of all, I wasn't the one that even suggested this theme first. I think it was me. It, the, I don't know who it was, so credit can be yours. Um, it was in the Christmas ether. Yeah. And when we came up with this theme, I was like, no, I'm going to <laughs> subvert per, uh, um, expectations here, and I'm not going to pick a Chris Evans movie, and I'm going to do like a Christina Ricci or like something along those lines. And then I was like, why? Like, why <laughs> pretend to be someone you're not, be interested in something you're not, just be true to who you Tis are. Tis the season for Christmas. Tis the season. Be true to who you are and pick a Chris Evans movie. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> God. So... And okay, with, with, so with that in mind, being like true to yourself, pick the love of your life, Chris Evans, and then also, well, this is gonna be my last movie pick of 2019. I don't know if it'll air in 2019, but it's my last my film character. pick. And um, there's no other actor that has been a bigger part of my last decade than Chris Evans, so it just kind of feels like it, like it rightly so. It has to be a movie that he's in, and uh, like. Honestly, it's been more than this past decade, but, like, whatever. And um, honestly, like, Cellular for me is a pretty nostalgic choice because it was the movie that cemented Chris Evans in my life and in my friend group. We, I think we watched this movie pff, at every sleepover we had for maybe, like, off and on for maybe about five months. That wow. plus uh, that other movie, The Covenant. God, we just oh, watched right. those all the time. Weirdly, Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan, it's like – future us was like whispering to the past you'll like these people later anyway um so the first movie i had seen with chris evans was obviously not another teen movie i saw it just because of good charlotte and then was like whoa <laughs> but seeing this movie was like hey yeah this is this i like this actor i'm gonna follow this guy now and that was 16 years ago wow. somehow um i am an entirely different person and yet still it's chris evans Always and forever. <laughs> and I think we'll explore a little bit more like why we watched this movie so many times at sleepovers and why I think it's still a fun movie to watch today. Um, but let me give you a brief overview of the movie in case you haven't seen it, you listeners at home, and then I want to hear what y'all thought of it. Um, th this description I wrote as I was watching the movie today. Uh, certified fuckboy Ryan, played by Chris Evans, gets a call on his Nokia cell phone from Jessica Kim Basinger, a woman who's hobbled together a phone from broken pieces of a landline to call for help after being kidnapped. Together, Ryan and Jessica undercover a crooked cop scheme led by Ethan, played by Jason Statham. I, that's that's it. This movie's simple yeah. enough, so a simple description it gets. <laughs> so... What'd you think about it? Any first time seeing it? I saw this for the first time. <gasps> Me too. Really? Really? Mm -hmm. oh I never even heard God. of this movie until we were planning out Christmas yeah. a few weeks ago. Okay. And I had seen this movie before, but within 2019. <laughs> um, I was with friends and we're like, let's watch a fun movie. And we picked Cellular. And then I texted Sam. I was like, you'll never guess what movie I'm watching. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was an honor to watch this movie for a second time and be reminded why it's such a wonderful, uh, fun watch. Okay, great. Christine, thank you. Bless. Um, I want to hear like more about that. But for your first time seeing it, what were your thoughts? I feel like I talk a lot about pacing in movies and things that have a good structure and that are nicely paced. I feel like movies that I'm drawn to, we kind of talked about that a lot. Uh, and there is zero fat with this movie. It just is go. Yeah, it's a crisp Great. hour 30. Yep, which is, you know, if a movie, is, I think the, w with credits is one hour and 33 minutes, which is like, 
perfect length Chef's for a movie. Kiss. It opens. You got the mom. You got the kid. They have some funny dialogue. Are you still going to be a teacher? I don't want you to be my teacher, mom. So, but then I can give you all the hugs that I want. And then she gets fucking kidnapped. <laughs> and then the movie just kicks in the high gear and never lets up. And then it ends. And it was a fun ride. Great. Thanks, Connor. Dave, thoughts? Well, when I saw the the poster for this movie, I was dreading it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the poster? The poster is just like, oh, uh, God. It's like, I feel like it's Jason Statham at the top, like pretty cropped, um, Kim Basinger in the middle, and then um, um, Chris Evans running at the bottom of it or something, but all separated by like these like weird like kind of like digitally looking like red lines mm. and like that's everything like else is black DVD and white. Cover looks like, yeah. yeah, it just looks like one of those like thousands movies that's like kind of like a like self-serious like action film that like doesn't allow itself to have a lot of fun is like more dour and more like kind of uh, self-indulgent and sort of like uh, you know, punching above its weight as far as its intellectualism or whatever. And this movie that is not i mean it was just this movie is fun from beginning to end uh it was it was a real ride i i really enjoyed it um i thought the uh most of the acting was good i will get i will get to some some exceptions but um yeah it was and connor as you mentioned it's pacing it really kind of doesn't allow you too much time to like take a breath or like suspend your or, or to return to like your disbelief or anything. So I, yeah, I think it really motors along and really made for a, a really fun movie. That's um, that's really interesting as an action movie for for reasons that tie into um, for Evans's performance, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. So yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. And I know Sam in your notes you talked about how the stunts that Evans was doing. I don't know if he had a stunt double or not, but they were very grounded, realistic in a world with Fast and Furiouses and all these like cars jumping out of skyscrapers. It was kind of nice to be like. Oh, a normal car chase, like very grounded, you know. But not normal. I mean, like the car chases were some of the best sequences. They're awesome. I mean, and the way it was shot is you see Chris Evans in his mm-hmm. uh, car initially, that beautiful Jeep. I, I love oh, that yeah. car. He just yeah. like left Yeah, it I don't know what cool. happened today. Go get it! Yeah, that thing with the three surfboards in the back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the way that the cars, the chase scenes were set up were you could see all the characters in the cars and it seemed like they were doing... Dave, it seems like you have some insider yeah, information. Yeah, did you have trivia on this one? No, I you, found some you production can take it. notes, and that one, not the least of which is that Chris Evans uh, did his own car stunts. Before production, oh, wow. he was trained for five weeks at a Los Angeles stunt school. Uh, most of the stunts are done by the actors themselves. Uh, in, in other cases, also, um, so he really learned how to how to pull off those stunts, those reverses, those high speed uh, action sequences. Um, and later admitted, I believe. I don't recall who's it was an interview with at the time. It was like a late night talk show that um, during like the tunnel sequence where he had to reverse and like fly out of the tunnel against traffic was like um, like it was it was going on and on and on. And they had to keep reshooting it and keep reshooting it, and keep reshooting it. And he had to keep doing it. Um, and at one point, uh, because of the length of uh, the shooting schedule, he uh, admitted to having realized that he'd gotten out of the car and had wet himself in the midst of production uh, because he was in the car doing doing it for so long and, uh, you know, and everything else. But, like, it, you know, it got a good laugh on TV. And, like, he seems like a really good sport in terms of, like, dedicating himself to that kind of work. And even especially considering that, like, it wasn't really necessary. I mean, you can – earlier than that, you can green screen a surrounding for someone in a car. But to, to, to know that he and the other drivers really went through all that and really did it is really impressive. 
It sounds to me like he does, in most of his movies, a lot of his own stunts. At least, like, mm-hmm. 90% of the things that you see in the Captain America movies are him. And I, it's so funny because I noticed it in Cellular a lot. But in uh, the first Captain America movie, the director and the commentary was like, we couldn't get someone to stunt Chris's run because it is so distinctive. And when he's running <laughs> up the steps in the school, I was like, why are you running like that? That is so silly. But, like... I feel personally targeted by that <laughs> commentary for my how I walk and run. Well, you know, it's it's a dancer's run. It's just like he bounces, you know, in, in, a, in a way that you're like, play. He's he, light on his feet. He can just he, do anything. Listen, <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just merely uh, pointing out an observation. But, yeah, you can definitely see it. And, um, you know, he said often that he really takes to physical things like that. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that. And something I wrote a little bit about was that this movie really is not complicated at all. Mm-mm. It's very straightforward and allows the audience to learn with the protagonist and not doubt anything that the protagonist is really learning. I think that the writers don't assume that they're smarter than their audience and instead um, want them to be part of the ride, which like something in the post Game of Thrones world, I am fucking sick <laughs> of. And honestly, like I'll even put Marvel there. I'm fucking sick of directors and writers thinking that they've got one over on everybody and they're not following like a real storytelling process just for that last bit that's like completely shocking. Chris Nolan too. Chris, like yeah, Chris, like yeah. hiding key information from audience and then quickly like that or what the the, the like breadcrumbs that they've put throughout the movie they're like yeah but actually we're just gonna fucking stab you with this thing and it's uh, like why it's hiding information in a nonsensical or like in a way that doesn't ultimately build up to mm-hmm. what you think it's gonna be building up to yeah. go back to Watchmen very quickly done by Damon Lindelof who did Lost leftovers mm. very much from the J.J. Abrams school of the mystery box yeah or what's in the mystery box if you never know it's always more interesting than what's actually in there so I was nervous when he said that they were doing Watchmen I was like oh it's just gonna be another mystery box but when the reveals happen I felt smart as an audience member mm. it's like oh that that's right that thing happened three episodes ago and now it's paying off so just it's interesting that you bring that point up because with Watchmen that was a lot of like what's happening oh all these pieces do connect in a interesting way yeah and I think that you can see this throughout Cellular and particularly in Jessica's character so Jessica played by Kim Basinger is a science teacher she gets kidnapped but she's able to like put together a phone now this. This I had an objection. <laughs> That's totally fine. I doubt I doubt the practicality of that 100%. Well, I mean, even if like you have the explanation that she's a sci- she's a science teacher and maybe like she knows, I don't know, like even I'll even allow and suspend my disbelief that maybe she knows something about wiring that she can fix that phone. What kind of kidnapping is this that you put someone unbound in a room with a phone even if it's broken? Like what kind of shit is that? Why would you put them in a room with a phone? And there's so many other things about the the kidnapping and everything else that seems so like amateur hour of this crew. Although I forget, I have a bunch be, of other notes Connor too. I asked a great question earlier, which was, "What is an addict doing with a phone? Like, what kind of addict has a fucking phone in the middle?" Of true, it? but that also might be purposeful when you find out like the the big twist, which is 
they're not they might be criminal masterminds but they're actually crooked cops but 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 what i want to say about jessica so like okay i i totally hear what you're saying dave but also i mean i, I can excuse her doing it i just can't excuse it being there <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough but like also when check off the telephone um, when one of the attackers is in the attic and she stabs him like right underneath the arm in the artery, Guess she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You've got five of these and I just hit you with one. Nothing personal, but like, I gotta go. And like her <laughs> being a science teacher, like that makes sense. And it's something mm -hmm. that's stuck with me since I've seen it. I'm always like, anytime someone goes oh. for the arm, I'm like, don't you do it. And I love when the, the guy who confronts her is like, what did you do to me? It's like, she cut you. Like, yeah. you're, bleeding. you're bleeding, you're bleeding. I will say as far as like the the big reveals throughout the movie, what's so wonderful is that the 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 plot is so fast paced and things happen at such a quick rate that the the reveals that the kidnappers are actually crooked cops and more things unfold and you're like, "Oh, this whole um plot is much larger than we think." It it it's like a it's like an added joy because like already I would be invested in what's going on in the story. Even if those weren't the twist, like it'd be like, Oh, he's got it. He's raced against the clock. He's got to find Kim Basinger. This is great. This is great. And then the reveals aren't like, like a, a, they're basically, yeah, they're at, they're added wonderful elements that make it even more intriguing, but like not necessarily there's like, Oh, if there wasn't that reveal. This movie would be shit. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And there's, I feel like most people get their moment to shine. Specifically, thinking of William H Macy, who has this whole subplot about running like a day spa with his wife. <laughs> it's a day spa, fuck, not a Absolutely beauty parlor. Whatever he calls him, yeah. <laughs> he just it's a day spa. You fuck, to know yeah. Emmerich. Um. So yeah, I think yeah, William H Macy um has a wonderful kind of bit part as he like unravels the conspiracy, gets caught up in it, then figures it out and takes over. There's one thing that I did think was interesting though toward the end is like as they're they're pointing out like it, these crooked cops are shoehorning him along because he knows too much and like they're like oh he can't go to the hospital he's got to come with us because he's got to ID this kid that that you know brought in this phone call originally. He walked into a police station. Like why wasn't William H Macy like uh, you could check the tape. I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> He wanted to be a hero. He did. he did. He was like, I might be running a day spa, but also. <laughs> he is persistent. He is. I, I mean, I think that he probably wanted to see it to the end because he knew there wasn't something right and he kept digging at it and he kept digging I guess at so. it. Well, and I think it ties back into his home life where he feels very like uh, dissatisfied with where mm -hmm. it's going. And so I think he's like, this is my chance to be the, I don't know if that's looking too much into it. Like maybe, yeah, he realizes that like, in 27 years, I've, I've been doing the same thing. I'm bored. It's like, well, maybe mm -hmm. you haven't had the right case. Oh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charlie Kaufman. Um, so we really touched on a lot of great things about this movie. Just like the action sequences, the uncomplicated pot. Uh, plot. There's a big pot. <laughs> pot. Um, and the interesting journey for the characters. But something else that watching it now I was really interested in is thinking about the time it came out so mm -hmm. 2004 and then thinking about the technology available back then so like 
Something that blew my mind was when Ryan is filming Jessica Biel, who's like fucking randomly in this movie, um, right. filming her on that Nokia phone. He's watching it back, first of all, as he's driving, which like, what the fuck? Um, but it's crystal clear. It I wrote that like, down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looked like it was uh, impo- like, I don't yeah, know how was, you would do oh, that. Screen images simulated. There, yeah, yeah, yeah right. and it was like, um, this and, is a little movie within a movie. There's no way this yeah, was on the like, Ikea what? phone. And when you first meet uh, Chris Evans, he's with his friend who's just like taking videos of like bikinied women mm-hmm. and he's like I'm gonna email this to myself and make this my my screensaver it's like do you not realize how pixelated like a monster this tiny Aside like two inch other by problems, three let's yeah. think about this practice. but also how dated that is already yeah. I mean granted it has been 16 years but like still how quickly things have changed it's also kind of a thing too like that this movie is in some ways very much like a Nokia commercial I mean he's oh, using oh, sure. it mm-hmm. as is made clear in the movie, the phone he's using is a Nokia 6600. Um, Ryan's phone worked on what was a network that was called uh, 457 Communications. The movie producers tried to get sponsorship from major cellular providers at the time, but none were willing to as they felt there were too many negative aspects in the film. Because <laughs> he, he stops at one point, he's like, little did they know how many f- different features I have or on like, this phone. How, and how like... technologically advanced my sweet-ass Nokia There's is. so much technology in it. <laughs> one line that and he you're says. like, oh my fucking God. I also okay. It's got a, a calculator. I love the other product <laughs> placement, which was like Coca-Cola. There's this like key chase scene, and he pulls <laughs> in front of this bus that like is a regular bus by all accounts, except for this one flap on the back. It just has a huge Coca-Cola sign on there. You're yeah. like, all right, I know exactly who's bankrolling this movie. Right. Got a movie. It's yeah, true, yeah movie's got a movie. It's fine. You know what though? That's like not the worst product placement I've ever seen. It's no, not as no, reprehensible no. as what we'll be visiting next week. So <laughs> oh, stay no. tuned. But I also think about this one scene. I can't remember if it's in Twilight or New Moon, but it's just it's just like a Burger King. <laughs> It's like the the reflection of the Burger King sign in a mirror that they're just like focusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? They really pulled the focus for that. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but okay, so you've got the cell phones that can record and like that becomes a pivotal part when um, so they, they use video cameras as well that has the footage of the cro- crooked cops and they delete it. But Chris had like filmed it. Which is something interesting too. I think there's an, a, the line is that um, – what does he say? Uh, it's like, I copied it to my cell phone. Oh, yeah. Which is like, okay, you captured it on your cell phone. You took a video of this video in a video right. camera. But otherwise, it's VHS transfer to a Nokia cell phone, which is like, well, I don't think so. Well, and if you took a phone of that time and like filmed a like flap of a camcorder, that would not be, a lot of not be able to see yeah, any person. That's, I, don't think, I don't think you would use that in court. Once again, it's like a, yeah, an iPhone 62 quality or whatever. Yeah. But, like, the other things that I noticed, so at the very end, um, Ryan is, like, wearing, like, a, almost like a Bluetooth thing. Oh, he definitely Mm. has Bluetooth. Like, what? There's, right. There's, like, no way that that was on a Nokia phone back in 2004. Like, no way. But also, walkie talkies and how that actually leads to William H. Macy Mm -hmm. being like, uh oh. Yeah, right. And, and then, like the cell phone ringing, giving position away of the big baddie. That's really pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to think about how technology has become so pervasive in our everyday and how it can work for us and how it can work against us. It's sort of, um, and I think in your notes you're saying how, thinking about it, like how it affected the film mm-hmm. um, of like in action movies in general. Like I 
we talk, I feel like just society talk a lot about, oh, if friends, they had cell phones instead of answering machines or like in Seinfeld, like how many episodes would be saw, like would be non-existent Mm -hmm. if people could just text each other. So it's just kind of interesting of this little time capsule. (laughs) And the line, which I got to out loud laugh at. Now you're wasting my minutes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wrote right? that down. I go hashtag wasting my minutes. Like, oh. That is adorable. Oh, remember when it was free after nine o'clock? <laughs> oh my god. Um, um, can we talk about the fact that the son's name is Ricky Martin? Yes. Well, <laughs> they, the fact they do. that Chris yeah. Evans just charges into the school. <laughs> it's like if Are you Ricky were, Martin. Well, and if that would happen today, he'd be shot. Like, mm-hmm. a school in Los Angeles? Like, oh, and the school's yeah. security guard is none other than John Ennis of Mr. Show, so I was really excited what? about that no. also. He's a great comic yeah. actor. Oh. It's like, that was before... And then Kim Basinger was like, that was before the singer. And he's like, whatever, <laughs> like, on the phone. There was one detail where there, like, um, Ryan is trying to figure out, once he realizes that someone is kidnapped on the other line. He like believes her story and he's like, well, 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 why are you kidnapped? Are you rich? What do they want? And she goes, no, no, no. My husband's a real estate agent and she's a science teacher. They have this fucking huge mansion mansion in Brentwood (laughs) and she has like a Porsche, like SUV. And I'm like, I mean, there's more we now understand as to why they want to kidnap you, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you are she definitely She has a rich. housekeeper, <laughs> and when they go uh, into did. the house, like right before she gets <laughs> Oh, God. God, just mowed down instantly. <laughs> <Not a> chance. <laughs> and then when they go into the house right before she's kidnapped, she's fucking wearing her sweater, like across her shoulders with an ascot. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. I don't know what they could possibly want from me. <laughs> well, I think that's one thing that I was a little confused about was, is she in the know with what her husband was doing in the original script she was but they changed it well there's a moment when they're both in the Mm -hmm. attic and then she whispers something to him something about a bank well you'll have help at the bank because she was thinking about ryan oh right oh got it so she didn't know it so she was totally clueless she wasn't in on like the scandal of it all no like with the uh, crooked cops and so on i gotta give it to kim basinger she went from like shaky fragile woman to fucking Hall yeah. like just kicking butt. Yeah. In like and she's the like same scenes. Yeah. She'd be like shaking it at the window, just like ah. <laughs> and then she'd fucking figure out a way. I mean, not only to build the phone, which is great. Kill a man. Kill a, kill man. a man. Then Twice. get in the fucking car. Well, she doesn't car. kill the one guy. The guy in the car and I was gonna take objection to that. If she was able to strangle him to death with the handcuffs, I'd have been like, Well, that nearly wiped out Anton Sugar, so I don't know about that. But, but just to pa- but make him pass out. He passes out, yeah, which I'm like, okay, I buy that. That's, she, yeah. Her, so the, when the son gets kidnapped and then gets taken to the same compound but put in the barn, mm-hmm. she hijacks a car and it, or no I guess it's her, her car initially so she takes back her car. The keys are in she it. Yeah, but everything. She rams yeah. it into the shed where her son is which I mean Good move. Good, great move. Knocks down the wall and there's the shaking sun but yeah she takes Ricky control. Martin. Poor Ricky, Ricky Martin. Martin is shaking in the shed. <laughs> I live think- in La Vida <laughs> I, Like for me one of my favorite scenes is actually when That's the Martins funny. are all in the back of that truck and she is trying to suffocate the the uh, guy in the driver's seat and the dad goes to Ricky and says turn away oh yeah like i just think that that's a really like not a beautiful moment but like a really interesting one because it's like she has to do this and it has to be her and i i just i really liked that your mom is about to do what needs to be done yeah (laughs) yeah turn away (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, also, speaking of technology, like how airports worked, of like stealing a boarding pass oh and my going God. home, throwing a gun into somebody else's case. It's like, no, it's okay, I'm a cop. Uh, yeah, but this is 2004, so we're going to hold you up for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other, well, I, I have one other big thing of the movie and then a few other things, but anyone else want to bring up something before I... I've got a, a lot of just little notes. Uh, first, of, first of all, how do we feel about Jason Statham? I don't care. I gotta say, Fine. like, I think his like his like cold and like detached villainy just comes off as him bored for mm. me as an audience member. He just doesn't seem in it. I thought and, it like, was kind of funny, be funny because he wasn't committed in the to the role. I mean, I think yeah, <laughs> everyone seems was... so committed, and then to have one that's like not very committed, I think, is a nice contrast. I just think it it shines through as like kind of like him being miscast. Like he's not cast as a villain often, and he's well, he's also British LA cop, so you're kind of like that's what's confusing going on too. There? But like, yeah, I mean, Statham, I think is at his best when he's actually like utilized as a character instead of just like a force. Like he's so often like an action hero, but like if you watch something like Lockstock or like Snatch, like the Guy Ritchie films, where he's actually allowed to embody or the Meg. Kind of, uh, if so you say good. if you say so, the or, Megalodon. Or, there was another one too that I was thinking of. I don't know. There's a couple of movies where he, the one maybe with um, Jet Li. There's like moments where he can really shine if he's given like character pathos. But in this movie, on top of being a villain, which is kind of atypical for him, this kind of like detached mode just kind of makes him like, just sort of like this putty figure for me in this movie a little bit. I can see that. And also like another note that I had is like. As far as them being like kind of sloppy kidnappers, especially if he's potentially implicated in like this grander plot that like implicates police and them knowing him and so on, why is he at the kidnapping? Like, why did he attend? <laughs> he's bored. He's bored. I think it just shows that they're all idiots. I feel like it's just. I feel like this movie would have ended entirely differently with a more competent kidnapping crew. <laughs> but maybe that's part of the point. I think, yeah. And the captain, the police captain who's in it, uh, played by Noah Emmerich, Emmerich uh, seems to be very frustrated by the end that he, that he is working with such incompetent, sure, yeah. like, two-faced cops. Like <laughs> Even Jason Statham's death, though, he kind of just, like, he gets shot a few times and then just kind of, like, falls back and is just sort of like, meh. <laughs> and he's like, like, oh, he's like well, what Dave he's, he's, he's like what <laughs> I'm like oh, that, that's the end of Jason Statham I guess I think it's it's around I forget if it's when they're under the pier during the big shootout at the end William H. Macy Chris Evans Statham when Macy goes "There's you know there's nothing I hate more than a dirty cop I forget right. who he says that to that is so <laughs> like, or a crooked cop or whatever crooked. he says yeah. is like he has some great like on the nose zingers He's pretty, yeah, he's pretty good in this. I laughed out loud at that line, like, bah! Like, it's just so, why? Why did you do this? Um, so, the other things that I wanted to mention um, is that, like, this movie really does feel like 2004. And there's something, we've talked about this a lot, but there's something with movies that came out, I want to say, like, 99 to maybe 2005, 2006. There are... They all have the same kind of feel to it, but movies before it and after it don't. And like, what is responsible for that? What is it? I blame Snatch. Really? The movie Snatch, I think, had a big impact on that guy Richie and his like hyper stylized film. I think it was two thousand one, where like you get a lot of like 
I mean, not so much in this movie, honestly. Like, this movie kind of stands out as a little bit different from those movies, which is what I mentioned at the beginning. Like, I expected it to be, like, one of those really prototypical, like, products of its time as, like, those self-serious kind of, like, thriller crime things. But this movie allows itself to have a lot of of fun, and I think that's reflected, too, in, like, its art direction and, like, filming. Because, like, there's a lot of saturation that really Mm -hmm. pumps through that's, like... Atypical of those other movies where you get a lot of saturation, but like it's like a tone or like a layer. This movie yeah. is dark like, and deals is, with dark themes. Like here's like <laughs> here's like the the crime underbelly, so everything is green. Yeah. Here's yeah. the dour scene, so everything is blue. This movie doesn't really do that, which is kind of really cool. Yeah, it's fun and fresh and L.A. in 2004. The, the one review I read compared this to Phone Booth, which came out oh, in right, a similar right. time. It was like oh, <laughs> talk right. about antiquated technology, <laughs> um, where I would say that movie is pretty self-serious and like mm-hmm. Colin Farrell like oh, must save the world from the phone booth or whatever it, which is interesting that he wrote that movie because like I, I have it here it's like um, when Larry Cohen was working on this script um, he uh, he was also trying to get phone booth sold uh, in, in an Wait, interview both writers wrote the same it's the same guy Larry, Larry Cohen I didn't know that interesting and like he you know, he he suggested this movie is the direct opposite of Phone Booth because that's a man trapped in a phone booth while this is a movie about a man who is still trapped on the phone but can go anywhere. Uh, however... <laughs> the future! However, his friends told him that he had written the same screenplay twice. <laughs> I've never <laughs> Which heard I of... disagree with because I think Phone Booth sucks. I've never heard of this movie. Is it, so is Colin Farrell locked yeah. in a phone booth? Well, yeah, he gets a call and he just happens to pick it up, and then he, all the things unravel as to why he had to pick it up and why the phone. Booth. It's like specifically you at this phone booth because this means something about something or blah blah. It's, right, it's, uh, it's it really. Donald. I think is this similar case, to is it similar to Locke? I think this is a Donald Charlie moment where <laughs> <laughs> to go back to last week. Clearly wrote the far superior <laughs> movie that didn't take itself too seriously and just had fun oh and. Charlie tried to make a statement about phone booths. Maybe Larry know. Cohen had a, a Donald Cohen Maybe to go with him as Larry well. Yeah. yeah, so, so many connections. But yeah, also phone booth two thousand four. I don't know. Thumbs down. No thanks. <laughs> My one last question for you guys is: so, like, what would you do if you got that phone call? Uh, I wouldn't pick up because I assume it was a spam number. <laughs> I was gonna say in this modern day and age with so many uh, uh, telemarketers and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I if I got the call, I'd probably I'd go to the police station and just kind of hand over my phone and be like, "So I'm gonna I don't know take a walk or something. This is your job now." <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the movie would have ended with me walking into the police station. But what's interesting is that Ryan like does things that you don't expect from his character in on like. I did not think he was going to shoot a gun or... Mm-hmm. Also, why does a school security guard have a gun and like, an know. unofficial gun in There's his There's some moments where you're like, whoa, Ryan, you had this in you. I thought you were just... Uh, then he also pays for the phone charger. You're right. After. He did pay for the phone that's one, charger. Yeah, one thing that's like a note on the news broadcast <laughs> is something like, and strangely enough, this criminal seems to have like, some principles or something like that. And it's like, what? Um, I think... I don't know. Like... One thing that I found really super interesting about this movie is that this movie, in my opinion, like, I mean, uh, Sam, I think in your notes you mentioned something to the effect of, like, that it's it's clear that this is, like, a, like a high watermark in his early career and a precursor to him, like, embodying, like, an action hero role. Mm-hmm. I think he does, but I don't think it's, like, a very conventional action hero. Like, he he's definitely, like, 
I mean, it's not like he's a reluctant hero in, in, in any any real sense, but he's also not like the superhero we're treated to in like the '80s and '90s action films. Like he's not your like John Matrix. Um, he's not your like typical like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or like Bruce Willis character that's like this kind of like unstoppable like force. Like Although he's, he's kinda... very not. He's not like superhuman. He's very. It's all very grounded in like sensible action. It did remind me though of a Bruce Willis and. A diehard, where you find him in a certain situation. It's got some diehard tones too. Yeah, he but. can like actually do these types of stunts, and it's not like out of the realm of possibility of these I, things unfolding. And I guess maybe I'm referring to like later era diehard films, maybe where he's like surfing a F-16 or something, you know. But like it did early cross on, my yeah, maybe mind yeah. That he kind of reminded me of diehard, like a Bruce Willis diehard. Where John it's like, McClane, Well, yeah. I guess I kind of got to do this, and maybe we'll early see what on, happens. yeah. I could, I could see and that. And I'm willing to take this as far as it'll go, but I just feel like it doesn't make him like some like un like like invincible like super figure that we're treated to in so many action films. And instead, is like way more of just like what a person is capable of in a high stakes scenario. And yeah, I think what definitely. helps is that the tone is not like oppressive, like as we mm-hmm. were talking about how the movie doesn't take itself too seriously, because if because then I think that's a nice balance of how serious he takes his mission mission versus how like goofy the world kind of is, especially mm-hmm. the guy that he uh, jacks the car from, oh, the, the lawyer, lawyer. Yeah, oh the lo- perfect casting. Ugh. That guy kills it. Yeah, I mean, like I I think that. Chris doesn't get enough credit for the being the actor that he is because I think that there's like a lot of vulnerability that he brings to every role and mm-hmm. I think that 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 him being a reluctant action hero is something that is consistent in a lot of the roles that are similar to this and which makes me think that it's actually a choice that he does and it maybe that is a suggestion or maybe that is written in the script but the way that he plays it is very particular to Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah, he's just a, I mean, but the only note that I had on his performance by the end of the movie is he is irresistible in this movie. It's great. <laughs> he's, he's the is embodiment of that character and uh, the way the character is written are in perfect, uh, perfect harmony with each other. And it really translates. Especially the way that it ends when they, Kim yes. Basinger and her, uh, him are finally united in the flesh. And then he, she's like, what can I ever do to like repay you? And he's like, don't ever call me again. And then they and laugh you t- and you're like, you guys are definitely. I feel like that's the first <laughs> line. <laughs> <laughs> that's like definitely yeah. the first line they wrote for this movie uh, and then worked backwards. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we had such a, an interesting conversation about one of my favorite movies from being a kid 16 years ago. What the, This movie could get its driver's <laughs> permit. What even is time? Um, it's nothing. Uh, so, great. Thanks for this awesome discussion. Um, we're going to be back in just a minute for the whiteboard question. I wish that was the song for the rest of the movie. This is what I wanted. Tell me what I need to know. I don't know what you're talking about. You're never gonna see your son again. This is the single greatest moment. Charger. I'm checking the car. Give me that 
All right, welcome back to Butter With That. We just had a really awesome discussion about cellular, and we're going to end this episode with our whiteboard question, which is, who's your favorite actor, why, and what movie cemented their place for you? I answered that question earlier in this movie, <laughs> or in this, well, it in was, this episode. It was this movie, right? It was this movie. I do have another answer, though, but I will save that for the end. Oh, nice. My friends, what's your, what's your answer? This felt to me like a tough question at first, and then as soon as I thought about it for like a minute, the answer became so clear, uh, and it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, rest in peace. Um, uh, he's in he a lot so of- so beautiful. <laughs> he's in a lot of my favorite movies, um, and every time I've seen him throughout the years, even in like a movie like Along Came Polly, which I think is like just a- terrible movie um he brings a, a really great a really great sense of like comedy and, and and urgency to like a very weird and ultimately not very well written character like he kind of he surpasses the movie he's in um which i've seen him do in other movies too i mean like his presence but his presence when like shuffled in appropriately among like an ensemble cast something like boogie nights or magnolia um or or happiness um, he just shines through as like this really unique presence that has like so much uh, tenacity and can bring so much like emotional uh, flexibility and range, especially on uh, the movie that would have cemented that for me. And again, one of my favorite movies. And again, a Charlie Coffin movie, um, Synecdoche, New York, which um, I, I I don't know that you could have made that movie with another actor and made it work because he just he fills such a strange and unique role that demands such range uh, that I don't think anyone other than him could have brought uh, the kind of chops or pathos to it that, that was necessary. And that's a real litmus test because that seemed like a really almost impossible film to make. So he consistently impresses me uh, every time he's in a movie. I mean, we won't get that again. Um, he, he passed and I think it was 2014 maybe. But um, yeah, a true talent and a, a real uh, kind of like some candle in the wind scenario, you know, just like yeah. something something that is lost of of Hollywood and something gem, that was really great, a treasure. Yeah. Wow. So rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, you yeah. were my favorite. I mean, to follow that up, I throw. <laughs> I mean, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's like definitely up there. I knew Dave, you were gonna pick that. Yeah, it, it just you were has to give be, really, him the most beautiful uh, um, in memoriam, so to speak. But. Yeah. Um, I think 2019 for me, I like you had kind of mentioned like 2019, Chris. I mean, always you literally loved him since forever. Like 13. But like, yes, um, definitely resonates in this year too. I think for me, my 2019 fave has to be Jack Black, and I think it's <laughs> from the journey I've also taken with you all, um, like exploring a lot of his movies and also just watching a ton of Jablinski video <laughs> uh, videos. I think. The Jack Black has, uh, to me, also such a range, and he's such a talent, and he's such a joy to watch, not only in roles, like, it was so fun to, like, talk about School of Rock, and, like, what a gem he is in that movie, but also just watch him in his day-to-day -day through the Jablinski <laughs> videos, and that, I will watch those any time of day, and I'm reminded at what a real comic, in my opinion, genius is. Are all he is? Are all the movies that he picks to do great? No, uh, by no means. No, but uh, but I think he is he is such a special talent and gem mm -hmm. and an immense performer. Yes, definitely on all the time. <laughs>
the uh when he was on Jimmy Fallon first of all I don't watch Jimmy Fallon but he was on maybe about a year or so ago and he played Jimmy Fallon had a, a saxophone yeah that wasn't that long ago yeah the saxophone yeah. yeah and it it is the single funniest <laughs> thing good. I've ever seen in my life just scrolling on the internet and he's playing this plastic like saxophone and it is incredible and he he actually almost falls down the steps because he's just so into it and he go, goes over and he starts like rocking with the roots it is he's just so animated it is he's so animated he's such a committed performer in like no matter what the quality of movie he's in he is so committed and I think displays that he could have picked one of five different careers and excelled at, <laughs> yeah. that, at it. And he just so happened to be an actor and a comedian and do really amazing things. I mean, he's a great musician and like... Um, great dad. I, like, I don't know him personally, but at least what I can tell on YouTube, he's such a wonderful family guy too. <laughs> I also kind of took this from the 2019 perspective and I would say... Uh, Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weisz, mm-hmm. probably my two standouts from this year. Uh, both of them were in The Favorite, which if I saw that movie in 2018, that probably would have been my favorite movie of the year. Um, and so especially Olivia Coleman in The Crown this season. Uh, she was absolutely fantastic. And then I watched Rachel Weisz in The Lobster, which was that her favorite director previous film. So that was really fantastic. I've and heard such mixed things about that movie. I got to check it out. Oh, I really like The Lobster. Um and then she is also going to be uh, Rachel Vise in the Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely those two sort of popped up. And Adam Driver, I fell in love with him this year as well. So Have you watched Broadchurch? I need to watch Broadchurch. Oh, that is, that's ne- that oh my is, God. That is <laughs> next on my list. Oh. Now that Watchmen's over. Hmm. <laughs> I also watched, Star- I was telling Sam this earlier, I watched a really weird show that Olivia Coldman did like maybe a year and a half ago or two years ago um, called Flowers. Has anyone heard of this? No. It's like a British show about a children's book writer and it is extremely dark. If any of you listeners watch that, please let me know or send an email what you think of the show because I'm still wrapping my head around it. Not what I expected. Hmm. Um, my answer to this question, so obviously it, it's twofold. So one is Chris Evans and the <laughs> other one – they occupy very different spaces in my life and in my heart is you and McGregor. Mm. I mean, like there's huh. no way that like as much as big fish means to me that I couldn't pick you and McGregor. And like, he is someone who is in like, I've said this before on the podcast that like, I like movies that are really like sweet and tender. And I think that he plays that really well. And anytime I see him in a movie, like I just instantly fall in love with him and I trust him. And also even in <laughs> this one, really, like I-, I can't recommend this movie, but it's called, I love you, Philip Morris, which he's oh, with yeah. um, Jim yep. Carrey. Like even in there, the character is so like, what am I watching? But you just, you, I, I love him so much. It feels like a man who just like somehow acts through his heart. Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's uh, Moulin a great Rouge. Oh, <laughs> be still my uh, heart. Oh god, I love you, you McGregor. McGregor. Oh my god. McGregor. I thought you were going to say Jamie Bell. I thought that was. Oh, I mean, listen, I could go on forever. <laughs> this question was hard, and yeah, I yeah. think, yeah. That's uh, so, like I have to focus on just like the past twelve months. Ugh, mm. Jamie Bell too, though. Like, you know. Well, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. That's okay. That's okay. Um, 
this is a hard question and it should be because you know we host a movies podcast because we like movies and mm -hmm. so we're obviously going to enjoy a lot of different people so whatever it, it is <laughs> all of it and none of it um any final thoughts about cellular and or <laughs> actors that you love cellular is a, a fun romp check it out it'll fly by and you will enjoy if you're anything like me you'll enjoy uh, pretty much the whole of it you can rent it on YouTube for two ninety nine. Yep. Or if you're my friend, you can borrow the DVD. Only if you're my friend, though. I don't <laughs> know you, then you can't have it. <laughs> if you're willing to close pop-up ads, you can find almost any movie by searching movie title one, two, three movies. Spon but that's... Sponsor of the episode. It's very illegal. <laughs> but it is it is a streaming option if you were, you were willing to close some pop-ups. Dave, how's that uh, Russian gambling site that you watch Joker on? I don't, I don't have to go back to that one because I've been watching older stuff. But if I if I return to a new movie through a Russian gambling website, I will let you know and my computer will probably be ruined. Um, and you, if you receive a call from Dave who's been kidnapped and hiding it, like... Just hang up. Being... <laughs> I had to wire this phone together. Don't hang up. In an attic by people who caught on to how many illegal movies he was For streaming. some reason, I left this Nokia 6600 in this attic with me. I had to piece it together. Is this your adaptation? <laughs> um, okay, so anything <coughs> to plug <laughs> as Connor is dying. Um, our social media, so like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email us at uh, what? Butter with that podcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. It's been a while since we got an email. Yeah. Yeah, God. what's up? I've been crying every oh, night. Yeah. Um, Tori writes for Cinema 76 and uh, has been for a while. Check those articles out. There are more to come. If this episode airs after Christmas, Merry Christmas and holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays. Hope you enjoyed the solstice. Um, this will, oh, this will probably be before then, January 11th. Come to a novel idea. Mm -hmm. uh, check out some sounds and music and fun stuff. Uh, Seven o'clock. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Okay, great. Thanks. Ooh, thanks Sam. Bye. Dun, 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 dun. What was the song? The dun, dun, dun. Run to the rocks, the rocks will be melting. Run to the rocks. What? It's a man. It's a crisis. All right, I won't sing all of Singer Man. I mean, Sinner Man. So this is why, as Tori pointed out in her joint episodes of I Love to Movie Movie, that I just I tend to leave it going for a little bit afterward just to capture the magic. Oh, go run to the rocks. The rocks will be melting. The sea Words will to be live boiling. By. The rocks will be melting all along that day. <laughs> 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 <laughs>